Welcome to our podcast. If you enjoy this segment, we encourage you to check out the others. Also, if you're new to Hedgeye, you qualify for a special discount on one of our Hedgeye investing products. Email customer service director Matt Moran at mmoran at hedgeye.com. That's M-M-O-R-A-N at hedgeye.com. All right, welcome back. We're coming in hot with one of the most impressive people in this profession. One of my favorite people, Danielle. Welcome to, uh, to another conversation with me. I appreciate it. Great to be here. How are you, Keith? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. One of these good. years, I'm going to get back to Connecticut, my other home state. Well, if you keep wearing red while I'm uh, teeing you up with the blue here, you know, you're going to, you got the open invitation anytime you'd, you'd like to get on a plane. I don't know if you're into doing the plane thing, though. I have done the plane thing a few times. I, I bring my can of plane air and I spray the person sitting next to me and it's all good. I disinfect the whole plane on everybody's behalf. I love that. I love that. I'm sure everybody else loves that too. Um, first question, I want to get into By the some- way, We're red and blue just a few days away from an election. So this is like, wow. Yeah, I'm not, I am not a Democrat. You know, keep, let's keep it clean here. I got the, you know, the, the Texan and the Canadian who have the same proclivities, we're good. You know, this, I'm not wearing a red vest because I just, Irish guys don't look good in red. Um, yeah, but just to get into it, I, I wanted to ask you, like, is it, can, can Powell buy stocks before the election? We got a couple weeks left here. No. 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 I'll tell you why. He can. It is in the fine print of the BlackRock contract. It's written in there. It's been tweeted out. It's a matter of public record that equities are part of the BlackRock contract. Um, Keith, tell me, pop quiz, Keith. Pull over Joe Schmo in downtown Darien, Connecticut, and say, hey, the Fed's buying junk bonds. Aren't you outraged? And you might be like, huh, what? Junk bonds? Pull over another guy, the next guy walking down the street, downtown Darien, and say, the Fed's buying the stock market. Oh, okay? boy. No. One is really difficult to communicate. The other's like, that's not American. Mm. So it, it's, I don't, it, it, it's blatantly political, so I don't think he'll go there because it would be, there'd be no argument against saying you're trying to buy Trump the election and Powell doesn't like Trump. So, because Powell's a Republican and Trump is something else. Yeah, and if we get to, um, actually, there are probably a couple people in Darien that would like that. Um, but if I go to the other part of Darien, absolutely not. You're, you're totally right. And, it, and, and if people do get pissed off about this, and I want to get into it, you know, a deeper discussion on that, on that behavioral component of what's happening in America, the us versus them. Jim Chanos actually just did a great job explaining why he thought, like, flamethrowers and pitchforks were undervalued. Um, you know, that, that, that's a thing. Right. You get that feedback. I see it. Your Twitter handle is awesome. Uh, the feedback you get is from the people. You know, I, I get less yeah. of the I get more Bitcoin people these days because I can get kind of rattled the cage a little bit. But, you know, what is it about the people yeah. and the feedback that you're getting um, that that you just maybe talk talk about that? What, are you proud of that? So, yeah, look, um, I am, I'm as conservative as the day is long, but people are hurting out there and people are pissed. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when we were going to the financial crisis, there wasn't Danielle's Twitter feed. So people didn't know what to do with, they knew they were mad, they knew they were pissed off, but they didn't know where to take the pitchfork. Right. Now they know where the Eccles building is. Mm -hmm. So it's, there's a big difference between then and now because there's more of an awareness of the role that the Fed has played in widening this inequality divide. And there's more of an understanding because I basically said, you know, the transmission me mechanism is broken. The next time that Congress comes together and they're all adults, I'll let you know when that happens, 
they're going to revisit the 1951 Treasury Accord that separated the Federal Reserve from the Treasury after World War II when yield curve control was last in effect. And the lines have become blurred. The 1913 Act says that the Fed has to be independent of the Treasury Department. And right now, we know as a matter of public record that Powell has been on the phone with Steve Mnuchin and uh, with Nancy Pelosi. So he is actively in the fiscal arena. So all of this, again, is in direct violation of the 1913 Federal Reserve Act. And I'm helping people be aware of that. And it doesn't make them happy because all they know about Fed policy is that it helps the it helps companies with access to the capital markets and it does diddly squat for the rest of the economy, the small businesses and the failed second mandate of maximizing employment. The Fed has failed. If the Fed had succeeded, it wouldn't need to beg for stimulus spending because QE is the only one trick pony that they've got. Isn't it amazing that that's where we're at? I mean, he's all but said it. And, and at different parts of September, it actually kind of spooked people out, I, as you're well aware, because you're a Fed watcher, um, the Fed watcher, some, some would call you. I mean, he really just said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm tapped he's out. He's admitting that the Fed's failed. Yeah. This is, he, he has raised the white flag. He has said the Fed has failed on its mandate. We absolutely need fiscal spending. We've run out of product to buy. We're not growing the balance sheet the same rate anymore. But if you give me three, four, five trillion dollars in fiscal stimulus, I'll monetize that and I'll keep growing the, the, the balance sheet and I'll keep a floor underneath the credit marks, credit markets, which will prevent the stock market from falling out of bed. That I can do. That's Jay Powell saying, I've got one thing that I can do, but you gotta give me stimulus spending. Well, I got like, let's just assume um, like no political certainty, but uh, let's assume that somebody is going to be running the Fed after the election. You know, when you get to the other side, you know, you have a variety of things that could happen. You know, some people might say, hey, look, you know, if you're going to print and then spend or print and buy stuff, why don't you print instead of like to your point, very good point, like instead of buying junk bonds and, and eventually stocks, why don't you buy people, you know, some food? Why don't you put a, a roof over their head? If the money is going to buy something, you know, I could see this if I were to take a political position, which, which I'm not. But Elizabeth Warren, like who I'm sure is not your favorite person, certainly isn't mine. Um, but she, she, would, she would have the pitchfork out against, against a, 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 a blue Federal Reserve member who was sponsoring the bailout of asset prices. I, I don't see that from the buy side. I don't see that risk. It's like they, know the blue, they, they want to be long the blue wave, but they forget what the, other, what the Fed could look like in a blue wave. Well, again, so I'm good friends with Lacey Hunt. And when he used the word inflation a few days ago, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> you I'm did? I didn't see that. Wait, where did he use it? Did he write oh, it? Yeah. He, really? He, he used the I word. He, in, in, but what you're talking about, Keith, and the reason that Lacey mentioned the inflation word is that it, it, it has become increasingly apparent that Jay Powell is ashamed that the Fed has failed on its uh, on its employment mandate and that he would be willing to be recruited and go along with altering the Federal Reserve Act such that the Fed could buy treasuries directly at auction, hmm. monetize the debt, not in spirit as they do now, which by the way, makes banks really happy. People are like, the bank earnings are so awesome. And I'm like, well, no shit. I mean, how can they not be? 
they've got they've got QE at the wazoo. Who do you think is is facilitating all the the purchases of mortgage-backed securities that are net net beyond what originations are? Hello, those are the big banks. Who do you think is 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 raking in all the investment banking fees because we've got credit uh, origination and IPOs and, and mergers and acquisitions? I mean. Of course, the banks are doing well. How the hell could they not be doing well? The only thing they've got is credit loss provisions for a household credit cycle that hasn't started yet. But what the market is not factoring in is that Jay Powell has effectively said, you know what, you can even appoint me for four more years after February 2022 if I'm willing to go along and directly monetize the debt. And I think he said it. It's interesting. I mean, and if you look at like getting back to where he knows he failed, um, a couple charts and I want to see if I want to get your reaction to these slide 46 guys. Um, we think permanent unemployment could double from here. Uh, today's jobless claims number certainly didn't back me off that, you know, back up towards 900,000 again. And then the next one, slide 47, commensurate to that view, you'd have a view uh, if you just modeled it out. And, and God forbid you used history, the, the history of the cycle and how long it actually takes labor to work itself through. You know, it's a long cycle. It's super late cycle when you get to the end of it. Uh, and the workup period takes a long time. But private payrolls could decline by more than 2% from here. So let's just say, you know, one, do you agree with that? And two, if you do, um, you know, what the hell would they do? Look, so Elizabeth Warren is having a, a, a hissy fit about the Disney layoffs. And I'm like, uh, law firms are laying off people, KPMG, <laughs> they're laying off people in tax and audit. Hello, white collar layoffs. These are, right now what we're seeing is we've gone through the temporary. Yep. We've put half the temporary workers back to work. That portion of, it's like this this announcement has come to its conclusion. The temporary narrative has died. Now what we're seeing is a conventional recession kick in. And conventional recessions, in, in conventional recessions, the employment is the most lagging of all indicators. Yep. So it is the caboose on the train. So we're just now starting to see permanent layoffs trickle through in the form of white collar layoffs. Remember the math, Keith. The top two quintiles of earners in America, the top 40% of earners account for 61% of U.S. consumption, or mm -hmm. if you prefer, 42% of U.S. GDP. The white collar layoffs will hurt the economy much, much more. And by the way, these people don't benefit from stimulus spending. They don't. They make too much money. Mm -hmm. So stimulus spending will be completely spent by the recipients, typically those who are in the bottom quintile. But you've got a whole different issue on your hands with permanent employment increasing and the conventional recession just now kicking in and what it does for purchasing power going forward and demand destruction. Yeah. And nobody's talking about this because they keep saying that, in, that, that, that claims are going to come down while we've had California, which has risen from 16 to 26% of initial claims on hold for the last three weeks, by the way. Mm -hmm. Imagine what we, what we would be seeing in every Thursday morning at 8.30 Eastern if California was actually online and not trying to deal with issues in their back office. Yeah, it's uh, when you take, I mean, and that's also part of, If you, I couldn't believe it. You know, I think it was Monday I wrote this note, and it's like one of the reasons, there are six reasons. I went through it with Liz Ann Saunders, who's awesome. Um, and I said, hey, look, you know, they said stocks are going same up. Birthday. <laughs> you have the same birthday? Really? 
We do. We have the same birthday. Every every birthday, we we we're, we're the first people to say happy birthday to each other. Oh, that's awesome. I've, I've been work. I'm I'm always working for new angles with you two because I want to you know keep getting closer to the two of you. you. Guys are you guys are awesome. Then have us on September the seventeenth. Oh, and have us on on our birthdays. Look at look at that. I just got to make sure that. <laughs> Um, that is a priority. Cool. I got that in the notebook. Um, but, you know, this whole, like, on Monday, it's like stocks are up because COVID's back, so you got to buy tech. Uh, stocks are up because the vaccine's here, so don't worry about COVID. The stocks are up because of the blue wave. That was the best one. The blue wave is just unadulterated bullishness for everything. But again, if you just take what you and I always talk about, which is the Fed and what you just mentioned, which is white collar, you know, earnings, consumption as a percentage of the total, you know, you're going to tax their ass. Like, you're going to, like, the 40% is going oh, yeah. to get, ta- if you don't lose your white-collar job, you you got to rethink your, your after-tax income here. I mean, it's not going to be rainbows and puppy dogs for people that make 400000 $400, or more. And and I wonder, like... If there's a blue... Nobody's talking about people... If, if there is this blue wave, I get that the Fed gets its $5 trillion of infrastructure and spending and pony and everything by you know by the 22nd of january i get that i get that there's a ton that the fed can monetize by february by valentine's day mazel tov but you're going to have an increase in capital gains taxes so what do you think december is going to look like if people are like well let me think now stocks are at all-time highs uh, I think I might not want to pay capital gains tax in 2021. So I'm going to take my gains and run. Or you could be an insider running the companies and have already long since sold since insider sellings at the highest level since 2012. Thank you and goodbye. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a great point at the behavioral point at the end. Again, people aren't, aren't as stupid as you'd like the narrative to be. I mean, it's just like the bull market, the permeable narrative. And again, I'm not trying to you know, have you make a, a stock market. Well, insiders call. are the ones that are doing the white collar layoffs. They're the ones that are, look, I've heard that, that upper management and wind corporations like go down to the front desk, check people in. I mean, the, 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 the decimation of middle management that's occurring right now and the Zoom factor, people are like, Zoom's awesome. And go talk to any HR manager and they're gonna be like, yeah, Zoom's awesome. I've got all my employees on a spreadsheet. I know exactly who's productive and who's not. So when, when the time comes for cost cutting, I just look on the spreadsheet and say, this person on this line's not productive, they're fired. And that, that's what work at home has done. It has made we human beings into line items. Yeah, what's it really interesting about that, if you look at this within the kind of the throat of the bubble, I think it's a bubble, I mean, or was a bubble, uh, at the end of August, crowding into these five stocks, guys on slide uh, 75. Um, Daniel is obviously very well aware of this, but this, in, contextually, I think that this, this bubble, like in market cap terms, is epic. Uh, but if you look at the, the labor side of this, slide 76, which is, you know, really COVID, they got paid, right? Like, I mean, so if you look at NIPA profits versus, you know, what actually happened to the big to the big ones? They have to compare against that next year too, Danielle. So it's not like Amazon gets to do COVID Part Two in Q1 and Q2 of next year. Yep. You know, so you have not only are they going to you know the profits are going to be less from the from the pandemic peak. So you can't, and on one hand, say, well, I got to own these five because they're the recipients of the of the COVID, and then when I have a vaccine and they go away, they're still the recipients of the COVID with all their people being taxed at a higher rate with lower profits. So I think, like again, the mean in macro, the most as you know, the most important things to identify are dislocations 
in relationships. So again, like in fractal math, we call them similar sets. So when one line, like that gray line, goes away from the black line, eventually the gray line goes and you know has a sleepover with the black line. Like they come back, and um, and I wonder. What are you like, even talking? He's reversion to the mean dead. Haven't you heard? <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the problem is that the black line is going to keep going down and the gray line is going to chase it. That's what I think on profits. And um, it's, 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 an, it's a fascinating thing. Um, one thing that you just wrote about, this is a... Yeah, but, 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 keep, but you're, you're, you're forgetting Portfolio Management 101. What's the driving factor here? Revenues are in contraction. Right. We haven't seen this for a long time. Look at FactSet every Friday. It's like, whoa, revenues are going to be down again. And people are not... The, you can... You can have one-time write-offs all you want. You can do financial engineering until the cows come home. By the way, Apple's still buying back a ton of its stock. Uh, I mean, share buybacks are continuing in the, the kind of the, the upper realm of tech and pharmaceuticals. But look at revenues. Follow that top line. There's nothing that you can do to massage that number. Well, what you can do is you can try to replace it with debt. And that, that's what we've done. We've, we've made levered companies and levered people. Small businesses are about to go away. We've, you know, it's just like giving a heroin addict the, you know, the last piece. You know, they'll take it, believe them. You know, that's all they have left. So we're trying to replace revenue expectations with debt. And this is kind of this uh, great experiment that the Fed, I think, is going to obviously go back. You're going to go back and you're going to say, I think you called it in a note the other day. I think you called it the um, bond bubble keeps inflating. Like, no shit, right? I mean, it's like this, this does have an end, you know, in terms of, historically at least it has, where you look at the rate of change on something like debt to EBITDA or, you know, any, any metric. The, we're in rarefied space at particularly the wrong time if the economy doesn't have anything remotely close to a recovery. Okay, so here's some quick math. To your point, right now, Bloomberg consensus says 4% Q4 GDP. No stimulus before the election means five percentage points comes off of that. So the economy is back in recession in Q4. If that happens, we will close out 2020 at 90% non-financial debt to GDP. Yep. The record in the great financial crisis was 74% non-financial debt to GDP. We closed out last year in the era of not QE at 78% of non-financial debt to GDP. Corporations will have tacked on $2 trillion. Thank you, Jay Powell. And to what end? I mean, how I mean, credit is a train wreck. And too few people are paying attention to it. Yeah, if you look at, like, every word that Danielle just said is an absolute fact. Unlike most words that you hear on CNBC, when, particularly if Kudlow's speaking, uh, slide 74. So the 90% number is on the right side of this chart, okay? So that is domestic corporate debt to GDP. She even said the word non-financial. So again, she rattles it off because it's in her head, right? On the left side, IG and high yield debt to EBITDA, which is the other thing that I said. So these are actual things. It's not like we're making this shit up. And the other thing is that what you see with this relationship, see that pink bar? You know, Danielle, isn't it amazing that when the pink bar happens, that that line has a central tendency, gravity has it peak, and then it collapses. What these guys have said, slide 36, is that we're going to go into anti-gravity space. So this, 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 again, the line, the black line should go down. You have a workout period. It's America. People go bankrupt, and the people with the cash come back and pick up the pieces. What does Powell say about that chart? Like, what, how does the red arrow not become a green arrow going down? 
you just keep buying more and more of it and you keep making the lines go up higher and higher? It is, the, look, we're in rarefied territory. We are, we, we've had a default rate in the last six months at a 12 and a half percent annualized rate. 2009 peaked at 12.1 percent. We have record defaults. We had fallen angels that had kind of dissipated, come back in September. We've had 19 chapter 11 filings in October so far. The peak month was March of 2009, 33 companies with 50 million in liabilities or more was March of 2009. Yep. July, we saw 32, we got close. But so far in October, we've had 19. And against this backdrop, what do we see? We see Rolls-Royce floating $2.6 billion in debt as a junk bond issuer, one of the biggest fallen angels of the year and completely oversubscribed. They, they, brought, they brought the coupon in 50 basis points to 5.75%. When in 2018, they borrowed at 1.65%. Balance sheets are being decimated. They're being destroyed. And what people don't realize is that while it feels really good right now, what is it going to look like on the other side when you theoretically want to go into restructuring? What are you going to restructure? What <laughs> assets are you going to, to harvest if the balance sheet is that destroyed? That's uh, slide 73, uh, guys, in the back. You can see IG issuance. I mean, this is unbelievable. These charts, again, I would not want to be Powell. Uh, th these charts, you know, history will not forget. It's all fun kicks and giggles to have, and you and I got ripped on for quite some time, you know, per per particularly between May and, call it June, when all the shit started floating back to the top of the toilet seat. Um, you know, but again, all those, you know, haha, bankruptcy stocks and airline stocks, they all, they've only gone down since that first week in June. Yeah, and we've replaced, you know, you know, basically stock prices that were higher than where they are today and a lot of this cyclical crap, uh, to stay with the real nice smelly metaphor, with more and more toilet paper. You know, that's all that is on the left oh, side. Yeah. And, and who gets paid on the toilet paper? Wall Street. So you get your K-shape recovery. And, and that K-shape, that K, it's not for KM. It's like I was drawing it this morning. The top part of that K is, is like my, my baby finger. And don't forget, I'm Irish, okay? So again, uh, the bottom part of the K has a leg like that goes to 2,000 frickin' leagues under the sea. I mean, this thing is, like, it's, it's it, how, I guess, do you still get on that point? It's just gravity, okay? Uh, I think that, that's a movie from the 1950s, by the way. But I mean, there's a lot of shit under the sea and are under the surface area of the price of the debt and of the stocks. Now, do you still have hedge fund guys and gals like, ha-ha, Danielle, you know, Keith, I think they call us part of a chorus. Um, you know, you guys suck. You know, we know that the Fed's just going to keep buying it. You know what? Actually, since you bring that up, they've gotten really quiet lately. I heard. Yeah. So <laughs> that's well, no, you haven't heard. So, no, 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 no. My, 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 my inbox. It's like, like the headache that you forgot you had has gone away. Yeah, they're not there anymore. They're not. It's kind of awesome. Well, because we're getting no, close. They, they've kind of just I completely forgot about it. Well, they're getting close to they've your end, right? By they get Bitcoin paid. Maniacs. Yeah, yeah, that. Well, they get paid, right? And this is the whole point about yeah. Wall Street is that we basically socialize the system for the short term, you know, just like the old, uh, the old uh, be you know, Benjamin Franklin quote, how much short term security are you going to need to sacrifice your long term liberty? Now, a lot of particularly credit hedge fund managers don't give a shit about next year for the country. They care about their P&L not going away for the three months that they're making fun of us. But 
Yeah, it's nice to hear that you don't, you still don't have those Snickers in your inbox or in your, in your, because because that was annoying. Um, what I, what I want to do is get to this note that you wrote. Um, and for those of you that do not pay for and or read, um, because you're not paying for uh, Danielle's daily, pretty much daily and you know, we, what what are you, what's your pace of production right now? I'm talking about the education of it all. I mean, what's what's do you write a daily? And oh, it's a, kind of insane. We we're we're publishing we're publishing daily. We're publishing right. weekly. I've published weekly for over you know more than five years now. We're for institutional clients now. We're actually we're, we, we've taken a, a page out of your playbook. So we're putting investment recommendations out there for for institutional clients. So we're balls to the wall at Quill Intelligence. Things are great. <laughs> I mean, we're mostly a credit shop. Equity people don't. Yeah. Well, whatever. But um, but we're doing we're doing great research. She's balls to the wall. You heard her. I, I agree. I mean, phenomenal. Uh, so this note, by the way, that you wrote, Phoenix fails to rise. Now, this is a topic that, that take your time, please, because not everybody knows what recovery rates are and most specifically why they matter right now. So think about your position as an investor. So you buy into a leveraged loan or you buy into a high yield bond because you are in this great chase for yield that we've been in for a generation now. So when the peanut butter hits the fan and a company actually defaults and it goes through the process of restructuring, the investors get their money back in what's called a recovery rate. So think about it as if a bond is 100 cents on the dollar, your recovery rate is the cents on the dollar that you're going to get back. High yield bonds right now, the recovery rate on high yield bonds is 15 cents on the dollar okay there were 22 cents on the do- on the dollar in 2009 that's the worst we'd ever seen leveraged loans leveraged loans the recovery rates are 47 cents on the dollar for first lien paper it, it, this is a 70 percent haircut off of the worst we've ever seen and i haven't even factored in the extra 34% haircut if you happen to be the unlucky holder of a leveraged loan that's gone belly up that was covenant light. In 2007, at the peak of the last credit cycle, 29% of leveraged loans were covenant light. No protections for the borrowers, excuse me, no protection for the investors. They topped 80% in 2018. Investment bankers private equity titans have had a effing field day. <laughs> I've almost dropped a bomb, almost. But, but to explain to people the recovery rates that they're getting, there, there's one slide that I gave you that, you that you can put up. It's remarkable. It's, it's, it's unprecedented, does not, it, it just doesn't work. This is a JP Morgan chart. They probably underwrote half the stuff. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> Anyways. They did. I mean, maybe not just, half, but certainly they got paid on it, whatever they did. So the 15 number there on the that chart the, in the, look, in the look bottom the right, I mean, bottom right corner. Yeah. So you put that, and, and this you, is a real. You're not getting compensated. 
It's a real important way to look at macro, which is you take the long-term time series, and then you identify this point in cyclical time, and now you know you're like Danielle's literally speaking in numbers today, as she usually does. And if she's not, she's thinking in numbers anyway. So I think a lot of you, as opposed to believing the bullshit narratives you get from a lot of people, you know, just take like start to read the work of people who are balls to the wall every morning, doing the work, showing you the numbers. That 50, show it one more time. Where's the, and some, it's harder for people to, you know, so again, if we drew a, that red line. Look on the very far edge. Yeah, and it's like 15 so, cents on the dollar, that little green line. So in the, green bar. in 2001, it went to 22. In 2009, it went to 22. Now it's at 15 and falling. Now, if you think that it's a V-shaped recovery, then you think that the green line is going to start to go up like imminently, and that's why she's tracking like bankruptcies, um, you know, for October, and she will in November, because again, these are rate of change realities that everybody should be. Again, you can get things for free. You can, if you watch CNBC all day long or whatever you want to watch, you know, free has a price, and so does having an education. So again, I highly encourage you. I'm not trying to, you know, push your. Uh, balls to the wall there, but I mean, you really do, you know, you're, you're out there grinding, and by the way, you're also tweeting about it, so people that really have quibbles about your numbers, you know, you're, you're going you're gonna to have rebuttals to that if they're being untruthful, are you not? Look, I, I, I want for anybody to explain to me how, if, if I've just explained to you that mathematically we're going back into contraction in the fourth quarter, and you're Joe Q, CEO, CFO, the first thing you're going to do is pay yourself a huge bonus, the second thing you're going to do is call a bankruptcy attorney. Because if you're like, if there's not going to be stimulus spending that props up the consumer, and I thought that I was going to file in December or December 31st, or I'm, and it, it's not just energy and it is not just retail. We are talking about telecommunications companies. We're talking about metals, plastics. Yep. It, it goes across the spectrum. But if you think that you're on the verge of filing, then you're going to pay yourself a bonus and get the hell out. Yep. So that's why you have to follow BCY Go on the Bloomberg terminal, the the, the bankruptcy function. Well, that's a, that's the other thing is that if they're not your institutional client, they're they're somebody and there are many. And thank you for uh, everyone joining us. This, today's our record audience um, at Edge. I took 13 years to become fringy to something re more relevant, and thanks to people like you, Danielle, we have become relevant. You become unbelievably relevant. Um, but you know these things don't cease to go away. I think it's I think the education of it all is that we're actually you know, un unlocking the Bloomberg for people that don't can't pay the 20, 25 grand, whatever it is uh, currently uh, for, for, for that information. If you take it and then put it on a chart and color it up and then you have a cartoonist, well, maybe you can teach some people some stuff. I mean, so the other thing about this, about what you just said is the workout period. Slide uh, 38, guys, which is, this is another way to say the same thing, but also give you a forward look on, you know, what it, what's happened before, which is looking at delinquencies on in terms of CNI loans. So again, the main, main mistake that everyone made, tell me if I'm right or wrong on this, the red line, focus your eyes, uh, sorry, slide 39, guys. Um, the, the main problem people made in 2000, 2001 was that they thought that the spike in the red line in 2000, the initial spike, was going to just fancifully go away because we were not in a stock market bubble. Well, we're in a credit and stock market bubble. The only period in U.S. economic history that's the same is now. So we've had our first major spike, and people that think that that red line is just automatically going to go to where it was in 2004 or in 2010 and 11, for that matter, I think are sorely mistaken or just unaware. I mean, is awareness one of the mo most important things that you and I are basically you know, trying to purvey here? Look, if, if you whether you are comparing um, the spreads, 
the, the, basically the premium that 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 investors are demanding to uh, to take on credit risk. If you compare the spreads, which have come crashing down, thank you, Jay Powell, to credit standards for CNI loans, they look like they're on different planets. Right. They've completely departed from one another. Whereas in every other cycle, they've moved together. Banks are like, I'm not lending you money, and therefore spreads gap out. That's not happening. So it, it is absolutely unreal. Goldman Sachs ran a chart of this uh, just a few days ago that was all over Twitter. The, the normal things are not happening. Look, right after March, April, credit lines were drawn down at lightning speeds and banks are already taking losses on credit lines gone bad because retailers have gone out of business right. that drew down their credit lines. And by the way, when they're filing, pay attention when you see chapter 11 filings, look and see whether or not they're going into restructuring or closing all locations. That's not a restructuring, that's a liquidation by another name. So yeah. look, banks are rational to say we are not lending, but the markets are in complete denial about it. Yeah, well, the, and, and Wall Street's answer to that is stimulus. So get, I need another round of PPP. And what they really you know, should think about, slide uh, 70 on PPP. So let's just say to small businesses that the, if, if there was a blue wave and we started giving it to the businesses that didn't have access to it, don't forget that the ones that you already gave it to spent it, and now they're more levered than they've ever been before. So now we're going to, again, it's, it's the same old definition of insanity, is it not, Danielle, where you're going to fix, and you're going to do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. So we're going to fix a debt problem in this country and an addiction to leverage with more and more leverage. I think I, I'm going to give you a little bit of pushback, Keith, because I, I think that the stimulus is going to be so strong that they give it away, that they forgive the PPP. So it, it could happen. But bear in mind, the white collar layoffs play into this in a much bigger way than the stimulus does. Yeah. You still have opportunity. If you don't follow opportunityinsights.com, it's got the best real-time data out there that is free, and it's free in a, in a good way. 24% of small businesses are still closed. And it matters that high zip code spending, it, 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 that they're the ones losing their jobs now because that means that the pressure is going to remain on small businesses. You can give small businesses debt all you want, but what if they don't want to stay in business? <laughs> what if they don't have the customers? What if they don't so, want debt? Again, I, <laughs> it's like a, there well, are, what, what if they, what if they what if they don't want debt? So yeah. it's there's going to be a tremendous amount of churn, but right now there are two things that are working against the potential benefits of a blue wave and that is weather you've got you've got hospitalizations not and, and got the, the flack i get for talking about case counts forget case counts you've got hospitalizations rising in every region of the country and on top of that you have time and if you tell me that people who have been without that extra 400 dollars a week since call it mid-August, September, best case scenario for the, the, for the FEMA um, inflation, uh, uh, unemployment benefits, whatever it was that, that, that Trump signed in with an executive memorandum. But you will have people who go without 
for that long? And what happens, I ask you, if, if rental evictions, because the CDC is covering rental evictions through December the 31st, what happens on January the 1st? If there is a blue wave, if you're Joe Q landlord, are you just going to indefinitely keep people in their homes and not pay your own mortgage? That's what people don't get. It's it's you're, it's I'm not being insensitive, but 48% of landlords in America are small businesses. Mm-hmm. What are they supposed to do? Oh, so exactly. stimulus is not a, a silver bullet. It's not a panacea. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't doubt you uh, at all. I don't doubt any central act, uh, c- central planning act from here. I'm I'm. People either believe that gravity exists or not, the cycle, economic gravity, particularly with very uh, elevated lever, uh, levels of leverage, we've walked through that, or they just believe that the central planning gods can make the gravity go away. It's a pretty simple divide. Um, and people believe in socialism or they believe in capitalism. People believe in winners, everybody's a winner, 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 chicken dinner. People believe that there will be losers. You know, there will be blood. You know, that's what, what I think. Um, if, if, this, if this happens, if, if they try and, and push through five trillion dollars every six months, <laughs> then then at least, Keith, we can stop listening to Jay Powell say that he wishes inflation would rise because <laughs> oh, he won't have to say it anymore. Well, you're going to I mean, uh, our rates will take off. I'm in line with you both on, you know, we run predictive tracking algos on both GDP and on inflation. And, you know, I'm in line with you on both. We're going to see contraction quad four and Q4 um, on GDP after seeing obviously a lift in Q3. Deflation. Yeah. So we get some deflation. And then in Q, particularly in Q2 of next year, against the comparative base effect, which is the, the ultimate deflation in negative oil price, inflation readings, even on the government's bullshit numbers, are going to be ripping. Um, so that's, that's coming to a theater, theater near you. I want to get to some of these questions, Danielle, just because um, you're quite popular. And these questions. Questions, yay. Um, world. And look at this, number two from uh, Tejas. You know, James from San Antonio, Texas, gets to ask the Texas Bell what down. she thinks. Uh, now, uh, and I love the fact it must be from um, Texas because he's not like seeding a blue wave. The question is, if Trump were to win or lose the election, will Powell be gone? And if so, do you f- uh, who do you feel will be the replacement? So you could easily see uh, if if Trump wins, Jay Powell's been his BFF, even though Jay Powell doesn't like him. Because Jay Powell's kept the stock market levitated, and apparently that's the only thing that matters to the current administration. So where the stock market is. So I I could see Trump, out of one side of his mouth, if he wins, calling Jay Powell all kinds of bad words and reappointing him. I could certainly see if Powell does monetize the debt directly, I could see Biden keeping him. But there is somebody out there called Ken Rogoff who advocates for a cashless society and being able to penalize people for saving. And if you're going to keep your money in a bank, then we're only going to give it 97 cents on the dollar. So there is the possibility that you see a Lale Brainerd Treasury Secretary, which the Biden uh, campaign has already announced. And she's no Steve Mnuchin, by the way. And then you see a Ken Rogoff as chair of the Fed. Those were to have been Hillary's main choices. They're still out there. Hmm. Yeah. Um, any thoughts on uh, Kelton's chances of being part of this? No. Ah! Um, well, <laughs> what was that sound I mean, you just made? <laughs> well, 
the whole idea of saying that there's an elegance factor to we're going to take away the lever of interest rates and we're going to replace it with income taxes. So we're going to get Congress, which is like herding cats, to come together every time inflation rears its ugly head and solve that problem by raising income tax rates. Good luck with that, Stephanie. In any event, uh, you could possibly see that happen again if the Fed is going to be recruited to directly purchase treasuries, which would require a congressional act and changing the Federal Reserve Act of 1913. If that is going to happen, then you are effectively running modern monetary theory through the Fed as the conduit. That, uh, for those of you that don't know, you know why, uh, why we heard a certain sound, uh, this, this book, I have it nearby, just for people like you and I. Uh, yes. this is, when I said Kelton, I meant Stephanie Kelton. Um, I've actually been complimenting her about how she articulates. Again, you don't have to agree with the view to compliment the articulation she of the view. She is shut up brilliant. She is, yeah. she, she is, she is shut up brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good. I mean, um, so I, I, do, I, I do wonder, and we have a lot of questions on this you know, related to MMT, so and I, 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 get, I could ask like 10 questions the same way. Like, what are your thoughts uh, in terms of like what what are the risks associated with it? Maybe uh, let's start with that. Well, so we've already taken MMT on a test drive because you don't give somebody twenty four hundred dollars extra a month and not call it what it is universal basic income. So we had that in the CARES Act, and the reason MMT proponents have been so energized is because there was no inflationary consequence. So, so there is a theory that we can take 27 trillion and run it up to 60 trillion and still not have an inflationary consequence. That is where I think the argument falls flat because we will. We will have inflation if we truly try and double the size of the debt. It, 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 that's why the Fed would have to step in and buy directly at auction because nobody else would. Mm -hmm. the, um, the simplest way I think that I seem to be resonating with people on explaining this is through the lens of a devalued dollar. Like, look, if you're paid $100,000 a year and you buy a certain amount of things uh, and you buy the same things in devalued dollars, then your purchasing power went down. Okay, Like that, for whatever reason, has not entered the um, crazy smart articulation of MMT. Why? The, the, the purchasing power of the currency and, the, and, and where that currency is or is not? Well, the entire argument of MMT is based on the last 40 years of falling interest rates and inflation being, a, you know, just a fairy tale, a myth, non-existent. It, it's, it, it, is a, it is a school of thought that is predicated purely on a free lunch and interest rates never rising. And it's easy enough to, to accept the theory as practice because there's never been a penalty for borrowing money. But we, you know, we have to remember that it was just a matter of a few weeks ago that the Chinese authorities came out and said, by the way, we're gonna be reducing our holdings of treasuries down to 800 billion dollars from over a trillion and we're going to stop at 800 billion unless there's a military conflict so it, the dollar can be weaponized 
And that is what I think people who say that deficits will never matter and we can run the debt up as much as we want need to appreciate is that if we use the dollar as a weapon against our frenemies, we will pay a price. Hard to do. I mean, we're trying very hard in rate of change terms. We show a lot of charts to show that nobody's been nearly as aggressive as the Americans on both you know, on both the Fed and fiscal combined. Um, so that's why the dollar you know, was really weak from May, basically, all the way to the lows recently in August. But now the Europeans not, have engaged in this. Return, by the way. What's that? When, look, look, when, when China prints money, it, it builds a high-speed railroad. It, it builds an airport. Right. You know, I mean, we're not getting, IRR doesn't factor into stimulus spending. In 2005, Germany launched a vocational training program that resulted in the lowest youth unemployment in Europe today. Mm -hmm. They've got a return on their investment. They reskilled their workforce. We're just throwing money at people and not producing anything, not zero productivity. There's trillions and trillions of dollars that have been identified by the Corps of Engineers for 20 years in terms of, of updating, repairing our bridges, our tunnels, our streets, our yeah. highways. Uh, I mean, I, I hear LaGuardia is no longer a third world country, but nobody's flying into it, So, <laughs> which is neither here nor there. Yeah. But there's a lot that can be done such that our stimulus spending was actually productive in nature and yet. Now, instead, it's like Bob Rich, our cartoonist, has this great cartoon that has a raft and there's holes in the raft and they're called asset management companies and products. And we plug the holes to keep those afloat so people can get paid. But we're not building a new Navy. You know, we're not building like actual things that could last and help us. The Chinese are trying to do that. They need a, they need a better Navy. Last question on this. If all that is true, which I believe- at, at last check, Huawei's got a third of all telecommunications equipment. I mean, yeah. look, the, the Chinese, it, to suggest that, that China has overtaken the US economy is a fact in the here and now because they are the future of AI. They are the future of quantum. They are the future of telecommunications equipment and they are the future of semiconductors. So these are all things that are that, are, that I'm saying in the past tense. They just have to get past the fact that they're fairly insolvent. Yes, um, agreed. Uh, let's, last question. And this question is all encompassing because it takes what you and I have been saying and gets to the next part of the story as, as we would say. Um, so when do you think the U.S. is going to just adopt a, a digital currency? Well, you are talking about bureaucrats here, and I used to work with them. So, uh, you know, the, China's already got one that's that's in a pilot program right now. Uh, China and, and Russia were at the forefront. I, I think that uh, even though Fed officials have said it'll be two years. I think they're probably moving a little bit quicker than that because of the increasing awareness that we're going to have to do helicopter money. And if you really want to do helicopter money, it helps to it helps to have a Fed coin. So I don't think it's two years out. And I, if, if there is a, an expedited process inside of a bureaucracy, it's going to come down to what happens behind closed doors and national security interests, again, because China is so far ahead of us in that arena. Yeah. 
I mean, uh, Neil Howe, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, who Neil Howe is, but he, he says, like, to the Bitcoin permables, like the ones that go bananas on you and I on, on Twitter, uh, certainly they go bananas whenever I say anything negative. It's like, yeah, I see your point. This is the greatest technology since the word technology was created. Well, what if the government just steals it and all governments steal it and create their own digital currency? Like in market cap space, they compete with each other. You know, it's not like Bitcoin has this monopoly on digital currency. I mean, that's, it's, that's absurd. Um, you know, but I digress on that. I, I know that Bitcoin's not exactly... Uh, so we, we should just stop there. Actually, Raul Paul told me that uh, we, we shouldn't talk about that or, or not that beehive unless you want it. Look, I, I think that the Bitcoin advocates have a very rosy view of the future, and that is that 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 money printing is decimating fiat currencies. Okay, Captain Obvious, I get that. <laughs> but going back to the fall of Rome, we've never seen a reserve currency fall unless there's been a hot war. So. I get that it's different this time because that is the sole premise upon which Bitcoin exists, is that there's going to be a peaceful resolution to getting rid of the dollar. I just, I, I don't see it. And, and I don't see China, by the way, saying, okay, we don't want to be the economic superpower of the world. The whole Belt and Road Initiative, we were just kidding. We'll, we'll, we'll give that all back because Bitcoin's going to be peaceful. I just I don't think that that's how human nature operates. I think there is a hot war and that's when reserve currency status changes hands. Very clear and concise as usual. Thank you. Uh, we're out of time, unfortunately, but uh, thanks for making the time with us. We always appreciate it. Thank you, Keith. Take care. Up next, we have the one and only Mike T. Mike Taylor. Thanks for listening to our podcast. As a reminder, new Hedgeye subscribers may qualify for a special discount on one of our Hedgeye investing products. Email customer service director Matt Moran at mmoran at hedgeye.com. That's M-M-O-R-A-N at hedgeye.com. This content is for informational purposes and does not constitute an offer to sell or buy any investment vehicle, nor does it constitute an investment recommendation or legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice. This information is presented without regard for individual investment preferences or risk parameters and is general, non-tailored, non-specific information. Hedgeye believes the information sources to be reliable but is not responsible for errors, inaccuracies, or omissions. The opinions expressed are those of the individual speaking. All investments entail a certain degree of risk and financial instrument prices can fluctuate based on several factors, including those not considered in the preparation of the content. Consult your financial professional before investing. The information is protected by copyright laws and is intended solely for the use of its authorized recipient provided access by Hedgeye. Redistribution or republication is strictly prohibited and subject to the terms of service at Hedgeye.com.